anyway, I started riding bikes way back in junior high. You know, my dad got me a Huffy at Walmart. I blew through that in like three months. And then uh, on to a specialized rock hopper, um, mm. which was a good idea at the time. And then I put slick tires on it because I couldn't go fast enough. <laughs> and then I bought my first road bike and it just cascaded from there. I ended up riding collegiately um, and it kind of mixed in with triathlon in there. And then really, I've just kind of played around with all the different bikes whenever I could. Welcome to the Beck and Siri Show. And here at Team Series Tri Club, it's not just about swim, bike, run. It's about who you become. On our show, we don't just talk to you about swimming, cycling, and running. We talk about mindset. We talk about fearless authenticity and being your very best self. Evette Cam here from Team Cirrus. This week on the show, Beck talks all things bike with Ben Rojesk. By the time this episode goes live, you'll be able to access our Black Friday membership sale. Uh, you can grab the deal at teamsiriustriclub.com forward slash black dash Friday. Enjoy the chat. Hello everybody. It's me and I am going to bring up our Facebook page because tonight, very exciting stuff. We have Ben, who I used to coach, joining us very soon uh, when I can get this up. So we have Ben coming on very soon to talk all things bikes, which I know here's Benny right now. I'm going to bring him on. Let's see if this works. Hey, Benjamin. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? We're good. I'm just bringing up our Facebook. We have quite a few actual questions for us tonight. So I'm going to try and find, I'm on Siri's Facebook, try and find our questions here. But Benny, um, before we start, I always get your name wrong. How do you pronounce your last name? Grochesk. Grochesk. Yep. Is that right? What nationality is that? It's Polish. Polish. So do you speak any other languages? No, I can make my way through French and a little bit of Spanish, and that's about it. <laughs> nice. Nice. So this is exciting tonight, Benny, because um, for you guys who don't know Ben, I actually used to coach Ben, and he is an uber biker. He's an amazing athlete. You may have seen some videos of some stuff we did with him <laughs> when we're talking about Garmin and Power, and then Ben got on the treadmill and ran it like, I don't know, 14 miles an hour or something crazy. This guy's really talented and an incredible athlete. But I also noticed when I was coaching Ben that he knew absolutely well, a lot more than I did about bikes and setup and uh, equipment and everything like that. And um, I used to rack his brain with questions about my bike setup and bike parts and stuff like that and integration and all the things I didn't know. And so I thought it'd be so awesome to have Benny on um, because he really is our go-to for anything like that. So Ben, thank you. And how did you get into that, Ben? Have you always had like an admiration for this or is it just since you started the sport or? Yeah, really, I just started the sport and I started in high school long time ago multiple decades ago and i basically had to figure out bike stuff on my own back then we just didn't i didn't live in a big metropolitan area where i could do that kind of stuff so uh, where did you grow up i grew up in illinois central illinois yeah right there probably isn't there's probably some now there wouldn't have been many bike stores around back then right yeah so i just had to figure it out on my own and keep my finger on the pulse and, and it just came natural to me so i really enjoy it so tell everyone, Ben, what bike you ride and why you choose to ride that. Because I see here you've got, um, I know they shared your post of you when you had the fastest bike switch. Ben's basically had the fastest bike switch almost every race he's entered. But I'm looking here at this amazing setup and I can't screen share. 
but it's you on this new bike frame that you have. Tell us a bit about that and uh, what the go is with this with this setup. So the current my current setup is an Argon 18. Uh, the picture you have online there is an A squared bike, um, and the A squared is from Oregon. They're kind of a newer. They came out in 2017 or so. Mm -hmm. And at Oceanside, so if you guys have done Oceanside, they had a big display there and everything, and I got on with their pro team. And um, the, oh. I ended up switching from that bike because the bike really just never fit me exactly perfect. The okay. fitter would line everything up. So I'm on the Argon 18 E119 Tri Plus. It's the pro frame. It's the same one that uh, Heather Jackson's on. Mm -hmm. um, and I absolutely love it. It is, it is faster than any other bike I've been on to date. Okay. So what are your thoughts? Because obviously we were sponsored by Quintana. What are your thoughts on their innovation and development? And how close are they from being, you know, away from being as aero and as fast as something like Trek or, you know, Specialized or Argon? So, yeah, Quintana Roo's really coming up. They're about to uh, come out with their new 2021 stuff, which I am excited to see. Um, they definitely have dipped into the aero frame on the road bike side quite a bit, and you guys are going to see that. And so uh, that's actually up on their website right now. Their new model of tri-bike, the PR6-2, um, will have the disc option as well, but it also, I believe it's also going to have a hidden uh, front brake cable finally, um, which is a big deal in the aerodynamic world. So um, I'm really excited to see what Quintana Roo is going to, when they're going to unveil it. And they have really cool custom paint job options too. And I, I just, right. I actually, I'm terrible because I'm a sucker for colors. Like I love the turquoise and the pinks. <laughs> and I don't yeah. care about the, the aerodynamics. No, I do actually. I always rode a Trek, but I'm, I'm really impressed with how they've, they've innovated and they start to really step up to compared to these, some of these bigger companies with more money. So it's yeah. really good. It's good to see. Yeah. Um, so Ben, tell us too, because a lot, a lot of people, some of the questions we always get is like people say, and it's funny because Brett Sutton is a big still a big fan. I know if Mel Mitchell's right. listening, she'll she'll agree with this. But um, Brett used to always say, get on the road bike and just add you know clip-ons, and that's fine if you're racing ITU and you randomly jump in for a, a 90k time trial in a 70.3 because you're not used to the aero setup. But my theory is, and I don't know what your uh, perception is on this, but I, I just feel like a TT bike, a good TT bike, is so much more comfortable if you get the right fit and so much faster than a road bike. Can you explain that to anybody who's thinking, I'm on a road bike, I just get the clip-on bars, or should, if I have the money, should I invest in a TT bike? Sure. It, yeah, if you have the money, you should invest in a TT bike. I do believe coming from a road background, racing road in college, that's where I learned all my skill set from. Yes. So I have a road bike, and I have, a, and I have my TT bike, and that's all I stick with right now um, until I – you know, make enough money in the stock market that I can buy a mountain bike. <laughs> but um, yeah, definitely. So I'll give everybody a brief perspective of the difference. So I ride what's considered an aero road bike. Um, and my commute, I ride back and forth to work occasionally. So when I ride to work, it's 36 and a half miles. And it has going to work from my house about 800 feet of elevation gain, all different surface, road surface types from flat asphalt to uh, chipsia, which is really yeah. horrible. It was really yeah. horrible. <laughs> um, it takes me an hour and 36 minutes on the TT bike. 
at, at like a five or like a moderate pace. Yep. Every single time. It doesn't, doesn't matter the wind, doesn't matter a yep. lot of different factors, temperature. It's an hour and 36 minutes. Right. On, and on the exact same route on your road bike, what would it take you? Hour 43. Wow, that's a big difference. It's a huge difference. So that being in that aero position for longer is really where you gain quite a bit. Mm, that's incredible. Yeah, because I always try, people sort of say, well, what percentage? I, like, I don't really know, but I feel like over a 90K, it's at least 10 minutes. It's got to be closer, at least 10, maybe more. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so we'll get into a couple of, oh, anything else you want to add, Ben, before we go into, actually, to give you guys an insight into why Ben's here talking about this and is his knowledge and, and his experience. How, how long have you been um, in the sport for, Benny? How long have you been riding the bike for? Uh, I've been in the sport for about, I think I'm almost 27 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, started in high school, I told you. Um, so I started, yeah, um, let me preface everything. I'm at work, so if I get a call, I might have to jet out. But He's a fire you guys. <laughs> Yeah, so I apologize if I have to yeah. jet out. But okay. um, anyway, I started riding bikes way back in junior high. You know, my dad got me a Huffy at Walmart. I blew through that in like three months. And then uh, on to a specialized rock hopper, um, mm -hmm. which was a good idea at the time. And then I put slick tires on it because I couldn't go fast enough. <laughs> and then I bought my first road bike and it just cascaded from there. I ended up riding collegiately um, and it kind of mixed in with triathlon in there. And then really I've just kind of played around with all the different bikes whenever I could. Yeah. So I've been on it. I've been on a Conagle Titanium, which is a rocket ship and a half. Uh, finest, Italian, finest Italian bike in the world. For sure, um, and but then and I've then really just had a chance time, to play. What's yeah. your fastest time for forty k? Just to give people an insight into how freaking fast you are. Too. Uh, if you don't count the turns, we're looking probably about forty eight minutes oh, somewhere right in there. Jesus. Yeah, kick my yeah. ass. I think I've only just broken an hour once on a full TT flat straight road, so that's insane. I've got a number of them right about fifty two, fifty three. Um, <laughs> And, but, you know, on courses with turns, so, That's yeah. That's insane, guys. Yeah. So I hope you guys are listening because there's ladies there. I mean, everyone's different, but we have people just trying to get through 40K. But 48 right. minutes for a 40K TT, you guys, this is how fast this dude is. So anyone who has bike questions that want to ask Ben offline too, feel free. Um, he's amazing. And um, so, Benny, let's go to a question here from Jamie okay. Taylor. Jamie's now coached by – actually, she just signed up um, with one of our coaches, Becky. And she's saying that um, I feel like I'm too short on my bike. I scoot up and feel like I'm going to fall off. I was measured and fit tested. Any suggestions when I purchase my next bike? Yeah, um, that's as you alluded to online coach, that's probably just a tip down on the front seat there. And that happens, folks. It, with the temperatures that change, carbon, aluminum, I don't care what material it is, it expands and contracts. And when that happens, things move a little bit. They get a little, you know, you hit a hard bump, you kind of hear that creak in the seat a little bit. Yeah. And that's probably what happened. It just uh, just kind of dipped down there a little bit. So you can be in the right, the right measurement, but with it tipped down, it, that's probably going to why you're going to feel you, that you're going to slide off. 
That's what uh, I was thinking too. Yeah. And what yeah. angle would you suggest? I always sat at almost zero, maybe. Zero to two, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, it really depends on saddles nowadays too. Um, you know, the, some are wider, some are thinner, you know, some have more raised beds, but really, yeah, that zero degree angle is probably what you're shooting for. Yep. Perfect. And for guys, though, what, what seat do you recommend? Have you found the most comfortable for, for a male? It's different for females, but what have you found you like the most? So I actually went to a short nose physique saddle. Um, mm -hmm. So it just has the shorter nose versus the longer nose that you typically see on a road bike. And mm -hmm. that does well for me. I'm very comfortable on that. Okay. It, really, your saddle shouldn't matter as too much. It's your you need to be fitted on the bike. You need to go yeah. see Ivan or your local fitter. And if you're not comfortable on the bike, that is a fit problem. That is not necessarily a component it's problem. Yeah. It's definitely the fit. You really need to be fitted. Yeah. Let's go over the basics of a bike fit, Ben, because I do feel like like even when girls come to the camp, I see them with their pads in like Jan Fredano and they have their broad shouldered and quite large at the top and they have their pads in like this and they're trying to get so aero and they can't breathe and they're all shut off. Like the cockpit position for me is really important. Just yeah. to be comfortable with the pads, and there is a fine line between comfort and speed. But like some of the basics, can you go over some of the basics just for if they don't have a bike fit or just the basics of bike setup, like what they should be looking at um, when they're on the TT bike? Sure. Um, yeah, cockpit number one. You know, the arms shouldn't your your arms shouldn't be touching each other. <laughs> you basically <laughs> should have room for your cell phone in the middle. Is a good exactly. is a good rule of thumb. Yeah, you have that little space in there. Um, it. And that'll get, allow you to open up and to really breathe well. Too far out, you're going to get tired real quick. You're going to feel it in your upper back, mm -hmm. and wow. you got to kind of you got to kind of find that happy medium a little bit. Um, yeah. Ski bend bars are probably going to be your best bet with an uh, angle of like 45. Explain so explain what that means, ski bend, because some of these guys don't know what ski bend means. So there are a number of different uh, shapes of bars. Um, you can call them S, J. Of the whole dang alphabet but uh the ski bend is basically a straight bar with a um with a 45 degree bend at the end yep it looks like that yep perfect yeah yep, yep. i reckon then we'll come because you want to have your hand bend right like just sitting over the top like this right and really you want your you want your wrist with a slight bend to it yep. not straight out not down um and that'll prevent any from getting numb if you're getting numb in your hands that's probably um that's probably the reason why that, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I try and say with my ladies, especially because guys seem to have less issues with it, but I try to say, like, you want to start with a two fist width apart for the pads. So the pads start yep. here and here. So they have that distance and then see how you go from there. And then what about, um, I used to like to have the pad sitting literally the back of the pad with where my elbow would be. Yep. Yep. That yeah, that's absolutely perfect. Yep. You might have to scoot it a centimeter forward from that. Um, if you've got it kind of gets sore elbows a little bit, but or you get a rub mark on there from sweating. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, scoot it. Yeah, just just a hair forward that you don't have too much. Yeah. What about um, seat to handlebar drop, seat to pad drop? Like this height is really important. And I know when I was younger, um, I could go much lower and I've gradually come up. Even Rini, I noticed this. She's still aero, but she's had to come up a little with her back and having baby and stuff. So what's your theory? I usually say like eight to 10 at the most drop for beginners. But, you know, some people, what is, what's your drop from seat to handlebar? You know, it really varies um, person to person, even beginners that I've seen. And it really has to do a lot with your age. The older we get, the less flexible we are. And if we're not doing Dan's 
yoga every day. You know, <laughs> yeah. we, we can't handle that. So really get to the point, eight to tens of spot on, but get to a point where you're comfortable. If you're not, if you're, if you're just hurting every time, you need to relax the angle a little bit and drop the seat a little bit. What about position over the bottom bracket? This is a hard one because I always thought you should be over it or on it, but that's not true. If you're really freaking tall right. and you have long levers, like is there a guide that we can go by for getting over the BB in the right spot? You know, not really anymore. Um, it really, bikes are, the geometry ch has changed so much over over the time and all bikes differ from very, just so much that you really just need to be comfortable on the bike. If you get on that bike and you ride it around and it's like you put on a new set of shoes. If you get on and you ride it and it, and it feels amazing, then you're pro you need to be on that bike. Um, yeah. But if you get on and you're like, oh, I don't quite know, it's going to be all right. Mm -hmm. No, um, it's not going to work, you know, and, and you'll feel that just even pedaling around in a parking lot. Yeah. Don't be afraid to say no on a bike. What about seat height? Because I've always had like basic rule of thumb. Like, I've been laughed to be because like you're so old school. But if you don't have <laughs> a bike fitter and you can't afford one, like I used to say that um, to practice with your seat height. Because I've seen even I saw an old picture of Ellie. Like she's had hammy issues now. She's healed, thank God. But a couple of years back, I saw a picture of her on her trek, and she's like full towing or pedal stroke at the tip of her saddle. She's on the tip of her saddle, so she's in TT bars, and her she's really towed and. Uh, and, and, and she's at full extension of her crank. I'm like, that seat looks way too high. Like, is there a rule of thumb? Like, I used to think if, you, if you're sitting in your TT bars um, and then you pedal around with your foot clicked out on top of the shoe and you can just scrape the top of it without really tilting your hips too yep. much, is that a good rule of thumb or? Yeah, that is. And just a at the bottom of the, of the pedal stroke, your knee should be slightly bent. Yep. And another good way is to stand off to the side of the bike with your bike shoes on, mm -hmm. and the seat should be at the top of your hip crest. Okay. Yep. All and right. so that that all be right at the same right at the same area. You should be within a centimeter of of that spot. Okay. Perfect. Cool. All right. Yeah. Now Dan's got a question here, um, and we've got heats coming up, Benny. If you want to read them too, but uh, yep. Dan Muscarell, and I know that he knows the answer to this. Yeah, I think he's been. <laughs> But he's saying, yeah. how do I go faster? He's been sitting at an average of 16 to 20 on his bike, and he's just been focusing on cadence. He doesn't look at speed. Um, let's go, Ben, with your tips first for him, and then I can add my two cents. Yeah, first go see Ivan. If you're not fitted by Ivan um, or, a, or a good bike fitter, then that's mm -hmm. it. But my number one tip on this is do Coach Beck's Big Gear Workout <laughs> wholeheartedly. Uh, it will add immediate power to your bike to get that little faster. Yep. Any other biohacks, any other hacks you can give him? You got to do the work really. There's not huge. Yeah. You really just got to do the work. Um, yeah. Have him go ride super James in the big ring. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, you know, in the off season, the, the best thing you can do in the off season is actually do squat weights with squat um, yep. or squat rack back squat. Mm -hmm. And, or if you can't do that, then the machine that, that you push out with the, the weight the seat, uh, with your legs, leg yeah. yeah, seat a leg press. Yep. yep. That would be great for the off season or your own home gym now during COVID, yeah. you know, but other than that, really big, big ring work. Yep. I agree. So we, um, we, as Ben knows, um, he did a lot of that. And it's a funny, I'll tell you a funny story before we talk about that is that I didn't realize how fast Ben was. I real I knew he was fast, but I was like, I can sit on his wheel. And Siri, well, I thought I could. And Siri said, and you were at 
peak peak fitness then. And Siri said, let's go up uh, Jamestown and Ben can go right to the top and just, and I said, Ben, I'll just ride normal. I'll just sit on your wheel, mate. And I was on my road bike, freaking out the ass within, honestly, the first minute. I was like, are you going easy? And I checked his heart rate. It wasn't even high. And I was like, oh, okay, this dude has some legs on him. But anyway, that was a funny story. And then you went to the top. You went right to the top peak to peak, didn't you? Too? Yeah, I did. Um, you said, uh, yeah, you know. Stay just, the big rig. You, yeah, stay in the big rig the whole way. And I made it all to that last section of 17% gradient. And I was like, I I got to shift down. And that's the only time I shifted down the whole ride. So, I, yeah. There's no way I could do that. So, yeah, big gear work, Dan. And, Dan, I know you're probably already doing it. Um, but I would, you know, if you haven't done big gear work before, you guys, like people think, oh, God, 70 Ks are so low for a race. And, yeah, you don't want to race at 70 Ks. But if you're just starting big gear work, my advice is to start with, like, 10 by one minutes at, like, 70, 75 RPM. If you haven't got a good bike fit, straight away you'll feel it. If you've got your seat's too high, you're going to feel it in the back of your hamstring, back yeah. of your knee. Um, if your seat's too low, you can tend to feel it more at the front. Um, if your cleat isn't in the right position, um, you might you feel it tweaking in the side of your knee or the yeah. inside. Like there's so many things, but always just send us a video. I'll put it on the Facebook group because we could see that we'll probably be able to see that straight away. But start yeah. with like you guys, like 10 by one minutes at like 70, 75. If that feels good, slowly drop it each week. And I know Ben was down to doing it at like 45, 50 RPM, yeah. really, really low. Luke McKenzie used to ride up this insane like, 12% climb with Syria that went for an hour or so, and maybe not at 12%, but it gradually in, I remember in um, Temescal in um, California, and he'd be at like 40, 50 RPM the whole way. And like, you've yeah. got to train yourself to do that. But start with one minute, then go to two, three, five, and eventually, I mean, I had been, you were doing like an hour at like 50 to 60 RPM. By yeah, the yeah, so, an hour, yep. Yep, so build up to that, yep. But but that's, that's probably the main advice. And then you want to still be doing, guys, your long aerobic rides to build your aerobic base if you're new to it, especially. Um, you still want to be doing, like, your VO2 sets every now and then, especially, like, coming into race season at the start of uh, the middle of going into race season, like, I don't know, 8 to 16 weeks out, start doing some, some VO2 stuff, which would just be some high-intensity um, efforts. And then... Um, and then doing your sustained like time trial efforts, like your race pace efforts, starting at like from five minutes and build right up to like an hour. And that will take time to obviously build. But you want to be doing everything. You want to do strength, sports specific strength, like like you can do that in the bars on the bike in your TT bars. Always try and do you guys your big gear work in your TT bars because you want to develop the strength in the time trial position. You don't really want to be doing it on your road bike, you always want to be trying to train on your TT bike as much as you can. And that's what we always did. Ben would go on his roadie like in winter and stuff. But you want to, coming into race season, you guys, you want to be on your TT bike and doing all your efforts and your big gear work in the bars, in the time trial bars to develop that functional strength in that position. And I think that's that's the key. That's the goal. There's really no secrets. But yeah. All right, Benny, we have some more questions here. Let's see. Oh, one person asked, oh, my God, Magda, who just got fifth in her first pro, well, one of her first pro races with Maddie. Yeah. Um, she was talking about, and this is, like, for guys, you might want to, this is a bit off, off topic for guys, but she had a lot of pain down there, and she had really thick chamois. And I always say, Ben, I don't know what you think about this, but 
I remember John Cobb, the famous John Cobb, who used yep. to fit Lance Armstrong. He's amazing. Um, great guy. He looked after our club for a long time. And he used to say that if you have the right fit and the right saddle, you should not need, especially racing and when you're in your TT position, you should not need a chunk of chamois and padding down there. Um, what's your thoughts on that? Cause for women no, especially, yeah. I know they have issues. but Yeah, that's it. If you're a fit right and your saddles is good for you, then, yeah, you won't ever really need a chamois whatsoever, period. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think if you've got the right – got to get the right fit. And I personally love the cobs. I haven't really tried um, much else other than that. I know Rini swears by it and Tio as well, but I know the one that you suggest is a good one too. We don't really have any particular brand that we're sponsored yeah. by, so you kind of open free there. But Ivan, when he sets you up, he'll try all different seats that, that help you that will fit certain setups, like people with wider hips, smaller hips. Um, it's all it's all depends on you. It's a very personal choice, but I agree. I think that you can train a chamois. You're not always in the bars as much when you're training, but you should be. But you should be able to have a pretty minimal chamois. And if you get chafed, yeah. you just got to shove that Vaseline down there, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, body glide works wonders, yes. Body glide and Vaseline, <laughs> like you, that puts yeah. a friction sometimes, not just the, not the pain. If you're in pain, you're probably falling too far forward or it could be tilted up. But a lot of women get pain because they're they're sitting on the tip and it's, nose down and they're falling all the pressure is on that part or on their right. on their shoulders so you yeah. right in a magda's case is yeah magda you ought to probably try a different saddle uh yeah. go to ivan and try all the different saddles have yeah. him set you up and see which one feels better and that'll probably solve that yep awesome yeah. awesome and i i know i joked about using teething gel now i don't recommend that if it's a one-off <laughs> at a world champs Right. Kelly Jones used to use numbing gel. Oh my God, I hope she doesn't hear this, but she, she, she used to talk about it. Her and Belinda Granger said to me, my first world championship, just get the numbing gel and like put it down there. The one you use for teething when your babies use for teething. And they did that and they didn't feel anything. And then they pretty much couldn't pee for like three days. Because it was so, <laughs> so don't do that. Yeah, God. don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> world championships maybe, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay what's your this is Lieber she always has great beginner questions so okay. Lieber's asking what's your take on using mountain biking to learn technical skills absolutely yes yes do do that wholeheartedly um, that and then if you once you get comfortable with that move to the road bike and then once you are comfortable with the road bike move to the tri bike the tri bike is by far the hardest yeah. but getting those fundamentals down on either of those other two bikes yes absolutely I agree. And you know what? I have so much respect for mountain bikers. I thought Julie Dibbins said, hey, take you out for a ride. I was freaking useless. I was like, I want to do the, there's like a hundred mile mountain bike race here. So like, I want to do it. And it is completely different skills. Like I can descend with the best of them, but a mountain bike, like if you can use skills, if you're good on a mountain bike, you can be freaking amazing on a TT bike. So I actually reverse engineered. I wish I had to start on a mountain bike because I agree. Yeah. It's really good for skill set. Yeah. Yep. So Libra, there you go. You heard it from the best. Um, so this is so cute. She says, um, someone said to her, what does an aggressive fit mean? My, my, I've been told that my bike fits me very aggressively now. I think it might also be a size too small. So okay. explain what aggressive means. I know what it means, but some people wouldn't understand what that well, means. Well, basic terms means it's a, you're, you're forward. You are just like the guys in the TT sure. races um, at the Tour de France. You are absolutely forward and the you are – yeah, the best way to describe it is you're absolutely forward. You're in the bars. The bars are tight together. Um, you know, you're really restricted on on everything, but you're just there to push those legs around. You're not there to steer or any, do anything else. <laughs> That's aggressive. Yeah, I think Labor should, and Ben, if you're okay with this, if Labor can post like maybe her setup on a trainer and just show yeah. us 
what it looks like because it sounds to me, Libra, like um, maybe comfort hasn't come first, aerodynamics has come first. And if you've gone straight to that, then maybe you can deal with it okay if you're used to it. But I, I don't recommend yeah. it because if you try running yeah. off the bike on a really aggressive setup, which means really low profile and really aero, um, it can cause all sorts of issues trying to run yep. off the bike with that sort of setup. Yeah, yeah. yeah you should always, yeah, you should always work into that aggressive setup, especially you know as your flexibility and strength gets better, you're able to do those things easier. So work into it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now this one I get all the time, and I I don't okay. really have a, like a specific answer to it because we get this all the time. It's not just women; it's men as well. Getting numb then in their feet and. I do think sometimes it's click position, sometimes it's a yep. neural thing. So Ben, she says, Libra says she gets like numb 50 to 60 miles, like numb in her toes, in her yep. feet. So that could be click position. Um, that is probably the number one culprit. Um, and a good bike fitter will look at your cleats and measure your foot on the pedal and get that all dialed in. If you have that done and you're still kind of having that same issue going on, it's probably something to do with the shoes. Have you replaced your insoles on your shoes lately? Mm -hmm. uh, most people have it. You know, most we buy shoes, you leave them in, yeah, you don't true. think about that down the road. Yep. The insoles wear out. They're a piece of foam. It just, it just wears out. So you yep. need to be thinking about, oh, okay, you know, if I'm on this, if I put this many miles on this in a year, I probably ought to be getting some new foam inserts. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, then, um, yeah, you still have pain, then, yeah, it's probably the shoes and the shoes just aren't working for you, and uh, it's time to get a new set. And they have different widths now. We're sponsored by Bont now, Benny. I don't know if you right. knew that. They're so I did. beautiful. They take a little bit to wear in, guys, so be patient. They do take a little to wear in, especially the road shoe. They're pretty harsh, but harsh. It, it can wear in pretty quick. But I'm um, talking about cleat position, for those of you who don't know, the thing on the bottom of your shoe, I wish I had my shoe, I don't have one, but is the cleat. And when the cleat, and especially usually, Ben, isn't that if the cleat's too far too far forward and you're not over the center of the axle, so ideally you want the bone, oh my God, I'm going to show you my foot. You want this bone here to be aligned, is that right, Ben, with the yep. spindle, with the axle yep. of, the of the pedal. So you've got yep. to make sure. Like I always try to get my guys to bring their cleat back as far as they can so they're just, it's sitting, that bone is sitting right in the middle of the axle. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah. Nope, that's spot on. Yeah, okay. Yep. Okay, what about, okay, Jamie. This is Jamie, this is Jamie again. Right knee pain on the yep. outside, but if I ride with my knee wide out, no pain. That's a cleat. That's a yep. That's a cleat position issue. Uh, anytime you have knee pain with that, that's cleat position, and yeah, you just need to get to a bike fitter and get your setup a little yep. better. Yep. So if she's saying when it goes wider, so she brings her knee out. So I would say then bring your cleat out. Like you can move it pretty. It's hard, but if you can get that cleat out a little bit as much as you can to that side, then that will hopefully minimize it. But I yep. again, yeah, it's cleat position, and you got to. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to, I always used to sit it as far, I actually used to have my cleat closer to the axle, but depending on, like, I would try moving it as far out as she can just to see if that helps. Yep. 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 Okay. But it does sound like, Jamie, we definitely need to get you a, a bike fit. Becky Allen, let's what see Becky's saying. Um, Lieber has to do with the angles. Yeah, it's important. It's comfortable. Yep, I agree. So it's just, again, cleat positions. I was told that to lift the pedal, but I'm stronger with pointing and pushing with my toes any yeah. tips i was told to lift to the lift the pedal but i'm stronger with pointing and pushing 
I don't know if you mean point. You don't you definitely don't want to point at the bottom of your pedal stroke. Like you guys should be able to almost like they joke that it's like scraping dog poo off the bottom of your foot. Right. Like you want to have your right then you want to have it like your heel. Like you should be parallel. Like your heel should be flat at the bottom of the pedal stroke. Um, yep. With still the bend in your knee. Like that's where the most power is, right? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And she needs to work on doing your one leg. Uh, pedal yes. routine even i still do that all that you know and practice that and it just it's comfortable it's natural for me but i still keep doing it so my body doesn't forget how to do it and so explain that, that drill benny for those who don't know Sorry. okay so it's 30 <laughs> seconds on 30 seconds off uh one leg each leg's 30 seconds and basically you're you're pushing the the pedal around and you're pulling your heel up and you want to picture in your brain and feel it in your foot of pulling the pedal around so you want it nice and smooth motion and it shouldn't feel like you're pushing hard crunky. down one side and crunky and then free on the back end it should be pushing down evenly pulling up evenly and thinking about that when you do that about bringing your knee through will make that nice and smooth and you do that five times five rounds so five minutes um and that'll set you that'll set you straight yeah and you can really see when there's a flat spot in your pedal stroke and i know yeah. my left leg's there's always one leg's not quite as strong and my left leg used to have a slight clung and I have to really focus on it but you guys when you do it you shouldn't hear the pedal with a free spot where it clunks like it should be smooth like when you say smooth yeah. around the pedal stroke you should feel it going smooth and and some people that aren't used to it they'll clunk the whole time and you should not have that clunk in your pedal like you shouldn't feel a dead, a dead spot if you know what I'm saying yeah. yeah it should look it should look like you're you're spinning you're you're spinning a tassel around it should look nice and even yeah. and nice and even nice and even it shouldn't look it shouldn't look fast up front and slow in the rear yep yep okay now this is a question that i don't have enough skill to answer because i'm still in the era with this ben um and i know you're going to answer this really well patrice is asking about crank length like John Cobb always said shorter, and I always think, well, it's a lever. Why wouldn't it be longer? Like, what is your two cents on freaking crank length? Like, how do we know what's the right length? Well, if you're super tall, so if you're tall, I'm 5'9". So if you're taller than me, you probably are going to be on a 175. If you're shorter than me, you need to be 172 and a half, down to 172, even down to 168, like, um, yeah, if you're super short, if you're only like 4.11, then yeah, you're at a 68 or a 60 or 168, 166. Yeah. Okay, what's the lowest they go? Oh, you can get them custom Five. done now. Yeah. So you can get pretty much anything. But that, that whole range right in there, yeah, you want to be on the little shorter end or closer to the shorter end versus the longer end. Um, but should be about right there. I think Rennie's on 168. Would that be right? Like, yeah, she's yeah, she's five one, right? She's tiny. <laughs> yeah, she might. So yeah, 168 would be would be perfect for her. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Now Anna's asking. Uh, I, I don't know much about the new saddles because I haven't been the sport for like five years now. But um, yeah. I have the Adamo ISM for the TT bike. But what is the best saddle for road bikes? Mimic for women of specialized maybe. Um, I don't, I, again, I'm not particular on brands. Um, mm -hmm. it's all about what feels good. And really, unfortunately, 
you just got to try it out. A number of bike shops nowadays will do a saddle try. So basically you put down a 50 buck deposit, you are able to go in and, and swap out between three, four or five different saddles over one month period. And that is, and then just see what works best for you. It really should be about comfort and not necessarily about the brand. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, sorry we can't really give a specific answer on that, but I agree. You want to try a few. Like, I tried three or four before I got the right one. Now there's this new yeah. one, weird one that adjusts. Like, you can adjust as you go, like, for road and try. I yeah. don't know how it works, but it looks cool. It might work. It might work. It's the same It's the same as the the new Surveilo adjustment bars uh, on the handlebars. Yeah. And they're kind of using that same technology. It's out of way to adjust it, but... You know, if you can figure that out and then you can measure that and you can buy whatever saddle you want after that and with the same measurements, it would work well. Yep. Otherwise, it's kind of just a gimmick until you figure out what works. Right, exactly. And then so inserts, I know with Ivan, he has this amazing like mold that you would use for a run shoe too. I think they're unbelievable. I don't know the name of them. I can't remember. Retool fitters mostly carry them. And Ivan actually has this amazing insert which i think was fantastic i definitely felt more power with it do you know much about the inserts could you someone was asking if you can get them for cycling shoes yes you can yeah yeah so i recently tried to do this through a couple of different um vendors and uh, things are on back order but <laughs> i and i ended up with ice bug and they're out of iceland oh and they're all right they're good for a high arch um mm -hmm. they felt good and and i felt I didn't have any problems back in my feet. There are two or three other brands that I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, you just Google search it, uh, best bike insoles, and yeah. they'll pull right up to the top, and you should be able to pick out one or two, and hopefully there's one in your area you can go take a look at, they can look at your feet and say, hey, is this gonna work out for me? Yep, and I know if you're gonna get a forage bike fit with Ivan, and we get like 20% off as well, and he does do virtual ones, which are a little cheaper yeah. right now because obviously you can't do it in prison. He does do, he sends you the mold, and you can get, especially if you have eye arches, like if you have high arches, you, you probably maybe have either really high arch running shoe, or you've had, if you're wearing orthotics in your in your run shoes, you should be wearing them in your bike shoes too. If you have a high arch, I would definitely recommend it, I think for sure, yeah. more support. Um, all right, let's see if there's any more questions. This has been great, Benny, thank you. Um, okay, last one. Uh, my right hip is lower than my left. How much will okay. that affect my cycling, running? I can feel it bad when swimming when it's super, it's super wonky. Hmm. That's definitely going to affect your, your bike, especially your bike. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah, for sure. Now, what's great about that nowadays is that you can get different crank legs for the different sides. Oh. So nowadays the spindles are all set different than they used to be. They used to be kind of this one piece deal that you had to have on the other side. But if you truly have a leg difference, you can either get a different size crank on the other side. That'd be one way to handle it. The other way would to, would be yeah. to pat, pat in the shoe yeah. um, and change that. Even changing two millimeters will make a difference. Huge. Like I do have a slight, it's not huge, but I used to have like a two mil lift in my left shoe because my left leg was shorter and that actually worked really well. It does, yeah. it does make a big difference. Do you think about, you're in that position for like sometimes like five or six hours or an Ironman even longer and um, it makes a big difference because if your back is slightly out that much and also guys, one thing with that, 
if you do like i used to sit a little to the side i'm definitely and lance armstrong sits to the side i've seen him ride and i was like okay he sits to the side so i must be okay if he <laughs> but um but it does wear on the saddle like i noticed my cob would be off to one side and i had to change it every three or four months because just from sitting crooked then it would even be more exaggerated so guys look at the, the top of your seat front on like that and if it's slightly off, you've got to get a new seat. Like if you're sitting slightly crooked for a long time, someone just said they had their bike shoes for six years. Like that is just way too long. Like it's going to yeah. be so warm. Like you've got to check that. Yep, yeah, you can use a level two, everything like that. So if you easily want to check your, your the, the tilt of your seat, just get a level, buy a level from like Home Depot and um, check the level, check the level of, of the nose. And I would definitely yeah. recommend like make sure it's flat or just slightly, just two degrees. It's really minimal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, cool, Benny. Anything else, Ben, you would like to add? Any advice, like any quick tips? Um, anything you want to add here before we say goodbye? Because I can't say any more. Questions. Yeah, I've got a number of things, but I'll hit the highlights. Um, the okay. off season, the off season is really good. This is a great time to work on your other biking other than on a TT bike. Um, you really probably shouldn't be out on a TT bike with the weather as it is. Um, it's just a little too more, a little too much risk in it. Uh, you should definitely be on the mountain bike and you should definitely be on the road bike out. Go have fun. The off season is the time to have fun. Enjoy biking. I know a number of people, even really good elite athletes who are really scared about being on the bike. You should never be like that. Go out, have fun, make it enjoyable for you. Cause if you don't, that we had yep. a question I'll about add, once uh -huh. you're 16 weeks out from your key race that's when you want to get on your tt bike you yep. don't need to get on it much sooner yep we had a question about disc brakes and um, oh, yeah yep. yep. so disc brakes i'll give you the the question was should i be looking at disc brakes and my question back is are you an elite athlete who's an aggressive rider who lives in the tropics and gets rain on them every day um if you can answer yes to all those, then yeah, a disc brake bike is going to be advantageous for you. Otherwise, I'd save your money for a little while. Um, rim brake bikes are cheaper right now, which is wonderful, because um, they're not the new hot and heavy thing. Yeah. Disc brakes are good for certain people. For most of us, we don't need to slow down that much on a TT bike, right? We're not we just don't need to. So unless, like I said, unless it, you live in the tropics or it's raining every day, stick to the rim brakes and you'll do just fine. Disc brakes came around after mountain biking and the tire problems we were having, um, as well as it's a way to also to gain power through the back end of the bike because that through axle is now larger. And so you're not losing any, you don't have any power loss through the back hub nowadays. So di disc brakes, are good for certain situations. If your bike costs the same with disc as it does with the rim brakes, then by, you know, sure. But really you don't quite need to be on there. Are they the harder to service as well? Like uh, maintain? No, like not nowadays. We're oh, yeah. on to our third generation of disc road brakes. So no, not anymore. And there's mechanical ones that have a cable that pulls the pads together. And then there's hydraulic, which has the well, fluid. Hydraulic, I had issues with the yeah. fluid leaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And nowadays, they've pretty much fixed all that. Um, okay. That was back in the day at least five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Nope. Nope. Nowadays, it's, yeah. So 
Um, tubeless. Clinches and singles, Ben. Clinches versus tubes. Can you explain that too? Yep. So clinchers are probably the tires we grew up on where we have an inner tube inside and they have a bead that hooks, that clinches to the rim and holds the tire on the rim. That's the standard, hey, I got to take my tubeless patch kit with me on every ride. Tubulars are an all-in-one tire that are glued to the rim. And now we have tubeless. And tubeless are just like your car. Uh, so they maintain the seal on the rim by themselves. And for biking, we put sealant inside of them. So that way, if you were to get through, um, something would come through, it seals itself back up, and you don't have any problems. Um, I've switched to tubeless now. They are so much better than pretty much everything I've ridden. The great benefit about tubeless is that you are now riding at a lower pressure. So we used to, way back in the day, we used to pump our tires up to, to 190 and stuff for, for these teeny tiny tires. Now, you know, then we went to, now we're down to the 120s for a standard clincher tire. And now you're down into 80, 85, 90 max on a tubeless. So where that benefits you is speed, time, and handling and comfort. Whereas you're now, instead, when you hit a bump, you're not jumping up with the higher tire pressure. The bike isn't moving up. You want to go forward. So that's where you really gain with tubeless. It allows it to roll over the bump easier. The other benefit is you don't get the punctures like you do with the tubes inside on your clinchers. Wow. I've, I I've, didn't even have those available. That's crazy. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. So tubeless is definitely the way to go. That's where everybody's going. And it's just more comfortable. Um, somebody's going to say, well, you know, what happens when you blow a tubeless side out? It, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So this is, so this is one of the emerging technological aspects right now. If you guys watched the tour this year and you might've watched EF education, they, when they had their, when they had their flats, they kept rolling along for a little while. Yeah. And word on the street is, is they have a foam insert, a high density foam insert that they just put in the tire and it just sit, kind of sits in there. It's no different than the foam inserts that are used for mountain biking. It's just made for a road bike. So it's a little smaller. And that's why you, they're not going to, that's why they're able to ride along a little better and they won't have the problems of the tire magically just coming off. Yeah, because and, and then with a clincher and a tube, the old school, like you get a flat and it goes flat, you can't fucking ride on the rim. There's no yeah. way. You're nope. stuck. Yeah. No. So I would expect to see these coming out for road bikes here uh -huh. this next year or the year after. But in the meantime, tubeless and how much are they compared to that's the thing, what's the cost? So it depends. If your bike already comes up comes set up with it, great. If not, you're probably in for about a hundred and twenty bucks roughly by the time you get sealant and valve adapters and stuff like that so and ben dumb question because honestly these weren't really around when i was even retiring like right. is it the same style rim like because i know for clinches and tubes you had different rims is it the same as you'd use for a tube and tube and yes tire? yes oh, yep okay. yep tubeless you just buy a tubeless ready tire mm -hmm. and you can mount that to your clincher wheel clincher rim and you're all set to go and the brake setup, like, this can be the same, like the same. Same, 
Same. same. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's also going to wider tires for the same reason they're going to tubeless. So as back in the day, we used to have thinner, yeah. wide was a 19 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. And now but what is it? Now we're seeing on average 20 to 32. Oh, oh shit. I'm yeah. sorry. I was like 23, 25. I think I used to ride 23s or right. 25. 28? 28. Yep. So it's going to be it's going to be a little more comfortable of a ride for you there are some aerodynamic advantages to it if, especially if you have a rim that can support that but that i that will save for another talk and i can get into some more aerodynamics and how that works with the tire versus the rim hey ben you know what we need to do is we need ben to do um how to change a tire for those who's still using clinchers and even with these ones like maybe we could do a video on that for people because i know even Siri, I have to admit, we have just clinchers the old school way, but she gets a plan and she's like, Becky, like she can't even change it. Like I can do it. I'm pretty fast. Like I mean, McKinley Jones had a race one day and her PR was like, I remember I'm so competitive and she said she changed it in like, it was like, like four minutes something. And I remember I got a flattened veil and I wanted to beat her time and I did it in like under three minutes. And that was with yeah. CO too. I cheated. But you can do it pretty quick still. But anyway, I think yeah. that'd be a fun thing to do. Yeah, yeah. we'll definitely do that. Yeah. Okay. So, so we also have 11 speed now and 12 speed. So a lot of you are probably. Wait, what that means? Because some people don't even know what a cassette is. Like, okay, so your cassette is on the back wheel. It is the thing with all the gears, um, straight up. So you'll see all these different setups, and you'll have 11 speed, 12 speed, or if you bought an entry level bike, you can have even still 8 speed or 9 speed that are still made by Shimano. Mm -hmm. um, but. SRAM and Campagnolo are all 11 or, or 11 speed and Campy's 12 speed comes out this year. And that's so, guys, when you're looking at the bottom cog, that's how many teeth are on the outside. You can count if you don't know what you have, just count the teeth and that'll tell you like 11, 13, 15, 17, 19, it tells you how many teeth that you have on that cog. Yeah, it's the number of cogs. So on the front, you most people come around with a you know, 51, 52 or 53 big chain ring and a 42 or 39 inner chain ring. And then on the back, you typically have 11 in your smallest and a 26 to 28 in your biggest. Mm -hmm. So what 12 speed does, and without getting into mechanical math from a mechanical engineer, is it allows a bigger ratio. So you would think that if I say I have a 55 on the front of mine and I want, and I have a 11 on the back and I wanted to go another big, another bigger, gear. I need, I still needed to go to a bigger gear. I would have to have a 60 chain ring just to make that the same as a 5310. 10, yeah. Wow. So, so now the smallest one for the 12 speeds are those tens. So it still allows you a bigger range. So that's really what you're gaining with 12 speed is that bigger range as well as it adds on the high end as well. So it, you know, we're 26, 28 is pretty high. Now you can get them in 32 and even 36 on the smallest or on the biggest cassette on the back. So if you're going uphill and you're like, oh, this, you know, gradient's getting too tough for me, you just click on up, make it a little easier. Well, now it can go even easier. So almost to the point where you don't need that inner chain ring up front. You really just need a single. And I, that might be something two, three years down the road. Thinking, not gonna just like rings. mountain bikes, right. Just like mountain bikes, they went to a single chain ring up front and a big pie plate in the back. There's a lot of technology like that that filters down.
there you go. I'm so see. I'm even learning so much stuff. I'm so behind. Like yeah. I retired in sixteen, and I haven't really yeah. looked at bike parts since then. Yeah. So that's awesome. And everybody saw the Chloe Digert crash. I I hope they did. It really, it, it's yeah. That hurt. Um, yeah. She lacerated. She lacerated her quadricep in that uh, based off the guardrail. But the thing you can take away from her is look at her position. And when you look at her position, her arrow bars, they're molded. And those are actually 3D printed. Wow. Yeah. So Lionel Sanders, uh, his are printed now. Everybody is going to, these guys that have the, they're, they've gotten together with the bike companies and they have 3D printers for every parts imaginable now. So I foresee that Aero bars are going to be mainstream market to direct to consumer of your position on your arm molded. That's amazing. And, you know, you're saving a little bit, but really, if you're not comfortable on aero bars, this really could be a whole comfort deal, um, especially with the padding all in there and it's just molded around your arm and it's definitely, definitely faster, you know. So you got the front Who end wobbles. Them? Who's making them? What companies? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to find. They're still done by engineering companies, but okay. I've, I foresee them coming out from bike companies soon, but I've heard Argon of doing them. I've heard of course, Trek who does the U S team USA and, uh, they're all, they're all doing them. Yep. That's insane. Um, That's right. Yep. Um, you're all, you're also going to see a clean cockpit. So just like road bikes now don't have cables hang exposed out anywhere, anything like that. Quintana Roo, this year's model of their PR6, you saw how clean it is as you come um, from the bullhorn bars, you know, which are the, the bars off the arrow bars onto the top tube, that top tube over the, over the attic, as they call it, over where you stick all your food, and that's really smooth. So all that stuff that used to be all the little wires that used to hang out, that is kind of all being put away, being put, hid behind plastic, that makes a huge aerodynamic advantage. You're going to see a lot more of that clean cockpit it coming looks out. Good too. It looks so yes, good. it does. It we does. We've been on sure. with some with bike porn pictures like soon. Like people are just saying they need you back on, Ben. So will you come on in another couple of weeks? Like everybody wants yeah. to see your brain a little more. So. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And there'll be more stuff coming out and and uh, yeah. Maybe we can get you just going over your bike and set up and just, just maybe even just how to change a tube. Like that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'll definitely get uh, when I'm actually at home, not at work for once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you can get called yeah, out. Amazing. We're so grateful to have you here, Benny. That was amazing. Yeah. And I agree. There's so much I learned. And, I mean, I've been in the sport for 40 years. There's so much has happened since then. So, yeah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much. No problem. Awesome. Thanks, Benny. Well, thank you for having for joining us, everybody. Um, reach out to Ben. He's still part of our amazing club. So reach out to him if you have any questions. And don't feel scared to post your your TT setup or your bike position um, with a video on here and we can help you too. So, And Ben, thank you for saving all our beautiful homes and our forests and our land and our, your firefighting. Um, we really appreciate you. There's a lot going on right there right now. There yeah. were amazing, crazy fires here too that are now under control, but we're really grateful for all you do. Thank you. Us. No yeah. problem. All right, legend. Thanks, mate. All right. See ya. Hey there, Cam here again. Thanks for listening and thanks, Ben, for coming on the show. Uh, if you're listening and you're interested in uh, taking advantage of the benefits of our Black Friday membership sale, you can access the deals at 
teamseriousclub.com forward slash black dash Friday. <laughs>